I've been late, uh, thinking lately about the idea of appreciation. Um, I've, part of this is because I have noticed that we have proliferated the appreciation days, right? And this is not to uh, belittle anyone who gets an appreciation day. I am glad that you do get one, right? But uh, we have Administrative Assistance Appreciation Day, Teacher Appreciation Day, you know, National Dental Hygienists Appreciation Day, all these kinds of things, right? All of these days to give someone their special opportunity to, uh, for us to say, hey, I really appreciate what you do. Uh, recently, we've uh, just got done with Mother's Day and Father's Day, right? Those are interesting days where we try to appreciate our moms and their dads for what they do. As a current dad, I always find it funny that we have a single Father's Day and a single Mother's Day. At least in our household, if you do the workload of mother and father, there should be like a quarterly Mother's Day and an annual Father's Day, right? It always seemed a bit unfair that, that Fran gets uh, a single day and I get a single day because she's obviously uh, keeping us much more afloat than I am. But we all kind of like that moment to be appreciated for what we do. We like the idea that what we've done has been uh, paid attention to. Uh, At work, it's never good when we get to a place where we're constantly thinking about how unappreciated we are at work. Um, It's been interesting, too, that uh, lately millionaires have been feeling underappreciated. You generally feel like you would think that you'd be appreciated if you get paid that much. Uh, This is the local news story that was a big deal. Tom Brady was asked if he feels appreciated by the Patriots, and his response was, I plead the fifth. To which most of the hardworking people in Boston said, you make nine, ten million dollars a year. That's appreciation enough, right? You don't need more praise. I'm a Tigers fan. Miguel Cabrera recently said... (laughs) Miguel Cabrera recently said... Uh, I'm not going to play when I'm hurt. I'm not going to play through injury anymore because nobody appreciates me when I do. And we're like, what a whiner, right? Like you are totally, you know, your third or fourth beach home in Cabo or whatever. That's appreciation enough. You do not need more people just, you know, slapping you on the back. You're already worshipped as a hero, right? And... We get to these places where um, the idea of appreciation can start to become a little toxic too, right? Where we are so obsessed with whether or not we get credit for something that we don't do the things we're supposed to do just because anymore. We constantly want uh, a cookie, right? We want a carrot at the end of the stick to go do the jobs that we're supposed to do. And so we have this idea that we do want to get credit, but we have to be careful about how much we desire it. Uh, This image I found very ironic. This is essentially a rewording of something the Apostle Paul said. Paul says, give honor where honor is due. The fact that this is credited to Samuel Adams is ironic, right? That uh, the credit is not properly given to the Apostle Paul and instead given to, to Sam. We always want people to pay attention and to see when we do the right stuff. We've been walking through the Gospel of Matthew and uh, looking chapter by chapter at the things that Jesus teaches and does in the Gospel of Matthew. And this week we're in chapter 6, and Jesus talks a lot about what kind of credit you get for your spirituality. See, this is a very interesting, difficult place to go into because for many of us, 
Um, we feel really weird when we see someone who seems to be wanting attention for the things that they do spiritually, right? And some of that is because of the things that Jesus teaches here. And I think there's these two extremes that we have. And the one is you should do the things that you do for your faith with no thanks and with no attention and no praise. You just stick your nose to the millstone and you go and you work and who cares if anybody ever pays any attention to you. The other side is uh, a very um, a place of pride, right? Where I'm not going to do it unless somebody pays attention to me. I am not going to be part of it unless somebody brings me up front and claps for me at the end. And Jesus talks about that balance, I think, in a very interesting way. Uh, Matthew 6.1. Be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. So when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets, to be honored by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received the reward in full. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. Um, it seems a little odd to us that someone would trumpet their giving, right? Um, certainly that doesn't happen in church. When we passed the baskets a minute ago, none of you stood up and said, <clears throat> excuse me, yes, this is my check that I am putting into the basket, right? Uh, it would seem silly in our context for someone to do that in worship. But we do know of situations and places where people want to get credit for their giving, Right? Just go to a university campus and it will be filled with buildings that have the name of someone on them who wanted to get credit for what they have done. Now, sometimes the university just does this out of the kindness of their heart. Sometimes it's a uh, wink, wink thing where they're like, here's a check for $10 million, which I have no restrictions on. And the school goes, oh my, $10 million will just happen to give you a building with your name on it. But nonetheless, people like the credit. There's even been sort of local controversies about individuals who I'm not naming verbally, who want their name slapped on the side of every project they give money to, and even put in TV ads to announce how much money that they've given away, right? And we all kind of feel a little icky when that happens, right? It's like, are you giving because you want people to notice you or are you giving because you want to help people? And that may not be totally fair, but we understand that thing. And Jesus says, when you give to people who need help, don't make a big deal about it. Um, a great practice years ago in college, somebody, I don't even remember who, did a sermon on this and said, do something this week that no one will ever be able to know that you did unless you tell them. Right? Find a way to be good to someone else when even your spouse is not around so that you can do it and you get no credit for it. You do it just because it's the right thing to do. And so Jesus says when you give money to people who are in need, don't do it to get credit for it. Don't do it to impress other people. Matthew 6, 5 through 6. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites. For they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. 
But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. This, then, is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we have forgiven our debtors, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. So this section has uh, kind of two main pieces to it. One of them is, the, the second half is the Lord's Prayer. And that is something that I'm going to do woefully not enough on this morning because it could be a full sermon series. I've seen, you know, 10-week sermons on the Lord's Prayer. It's a very simple prayer that Jesus is modeling. I think the main point that Jesus is saying here is you don't have to use lots of words. You don't have to be very detailed about things. Just ask God for the things you need and be done with it, right? I once saw a sermon done on the Lord's Prayer and how we should pray simply. And there was a guy who got up afterwards and he was supposed to do the closing prayer for the worship service. He was like, well, um, dear God, thank you for the sermon. Amen. Right? Because like he felt really weird praying a big long prayer after he had just read about how simply we should pray. And so Jesus gives us this example of a simple prayer asking for your needs. But before that, he does something really interesting and in that he talks about how the pagans pray and how we should pray. We know that the reality is that whenever you do public speaking, whether it's supposed to be or not, there's a little bit of judgment going on, right? It may not be a formal debate, but there is still always a little sense of how someone speaks. Uh, when we go to a, maybe a candidate's night and we hear candidates for local office talk about what they're doing. Often, when you leave, the first thing out of someone's mouth isn't, oh, I really liked his approach to how we should use property taxes, right? Instead, it's usually something like, Oh, so-and-so was so eloquent. Or, oh, did you hear how that person mispronounced their words? I mean, we just naturally are attracted to people who speak eloquently, people who speak naturally. Um, we even do this in church, right? Whenever somebody preaches, and particularly somebody who's different than the usual preacher, we immediately are like, well, he wasn't quite as this as the other guy. Or she didn't do this quite the way that the other woman does it, right? We naturally do this comparison. And Jesus says, when you're praying, there is going to be the risk that you are going to give into that. That you are going to want to be better than the guy who prayed before you. Or better than whoever's going to do it next week. And that it becomes a competition. And Jesus says, that's not what prayer is about. You're not praying to impress other people. And this is what pagans do, right? If you go to the, the temple of Athena... That's where you can expect to see someone putting on their big show and dance and doing these big fancy prayers. He goes, that's not the way worshiping the true God is. You just say what you need to say and you're done. Matthew 6, 16, he goes on. When you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do. 
for they disfigure their faces to show others they are fasting. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face so that it will not be obvious to others that you're fasting, but only to your father who is unseen and your father who sees what's done in secret will reward you. This phrase hypocrite here is really interesting. Um, the word means an actor. Um, in Greek, hypocritus, hypocritus, I don't know. Anyway, hypocrite in Greek means somebody who puts on a mask and acts in a play. And it's really funny because we don't know, uh, we're kind of at chicken and egg here. We don't know if this meant actor in Jesus' day and Jesus' use of it became the word hypocrite that we know. Or if hypocrite was already a word of its own from the word actor. Does that make sense? Is it an idiom for someone who's two-faced because of Jesus or before Jesus? But nonetheless, the meaning is pretty obvious. Somebody who puts on a face and pretends to be something else. Uh, fasting is not something that we do as much uh, in modern Christianity, but it's simply the idea of going without food to focus yourself and your mind on prayer and the things that God has given you and things that you, uh, decisions that you're needing to make, things like that. And so Jesus says, when you fast, don't make everybody know that you're fasting, okay? Um, if you've, you probably haven't been around many people fasting, but if you have, you've maybe been around a bad faster that just sits there. I remember in college, occasionally people would fast and we're sitting, I know that sounds weird, I went to a little Christian school, but people would fast every once in a while, right? And we'd be sitting doing homework and you'd hear someone go, oh, you're like, what's going on? I'm just so hungry because I'm fasting. Like, how spiritual of you can you shut up? We're trying to do homework, right? And, you know, like, it's just, this is a natural thing that people do. They make a big deal about, oh, I'm so hungry because I've been fasting for so long to please God. And again, it's this, this thing where we're trying to get attention um, from other people. In the end, what Jesus is talking about is this need that we should not be in our spirituality for awards, right? You don't do these acts of devotion to get credit. Um, I put, this is, I'm not trying to be nasty to Brother Wayne McDowell. I'm sure he's a lovely man. Uh, when you put in Christian trophy into Google image search, poor Brother McDowell is the first one that comes up, all right? And this is such a fascinating image to me. Somebody makes plaques with gold and crosses and doves and all that kind of stuff so that we can give out awards for Christianity. And what Jesus says in this passage is, if that is what you're doing, if you are giving to the poor, if you are praying, if you are fasting, if you're doing all these acts of devotion so that other people think that you're hot stuff, that is not the reason to do any of this. You're already getting your reward. Go ahead and hold up, you know, your, your little fake marble plaque and be excited about it because that is the only value to those things that you're doing. Now, as we hear that, it's really easy to go to one end of that spectrum that we talked about. And it's kind of the like sad end, you know, prayer and fasting and all of these things. You do it because you're supposed to do it. So sit in the corner. Don't expect any praise. You know, like don't expect anyone to pat you on the back. Just do it because you're supposed to do it. It's just hard work and discipline and, uh, and grunt. And the only reason you do it is because you're supposed to. Just shut up and do what you're told. Right? And if you desire any sort of praise from it, 
What a selfish, terrible person. That is the way that you could easily read these passages. Was Jesus just railing on people for desiring any sort of reward for what they're doing. But the interesting thing is Jesus is not against desiring approval for your spiritual behavior. He only cares about who you want that approval from. Because there's a couple of verses that we kind of just read over. They're lovely in parallel here. Verses 4, 6, and 18. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. This is the rhythm of this passage. It's easy to miss it. But if we heard it verbally, we probably would notice it more. This is the phrase that Jesus is coming back to again and again and again. If you are doing your spiritual behaviors to get credit from other people, that's, that's no good. But if you do these things by yourself in secret, your father sees it and it pleases him and he will reward you for what you're doing. See, for Paul, it is not, or Paul, for Jesus, it is not a problem to desire to be affirmed in your spiritual behavior. It is not a problem to say, I've been praying and praying and praying. I'd like to see some kind of reward for it. And God says, absolutely. My love and my appreciation and the way that it connects us is the appreciation that you get. Um, the way we've said this sometimes in church, which is kind of corny, is that we live for an audience of one. Right? That the things that we do, our spiritual lives are intended for a single individual, and that single individual is our Father in Heaven. The way I like to think about it is um, kids doing a play in a living room. If you have kids, they do this from time to time, where they're like, hey, we want to do a show. And it usually is kind of lame, okay? It's usually they put on some kind of music, and they flop themselves around, and they call it ballet, and then they're just really excited about it. And there is nothing that should be, there's nothing that's objectively great about this situation, okay? Nobody is like, wow, that's great. Sign them up for the, you know, world famous ballet thing I can't think of off the top of my head, right? No, nobody is saying that. But nonetheless, it makes you feel really good. When you're a parent, it's just fun to watch them be so excited about pleasing you. And for them, they are just so excited that you are just, you're watching what they're doing and you're giving them approval and love. And it's just this awesome little thing that happens in families where it's not the quality of it. It's not how well it's done. It is merely a child saying, I want to give myself to you somehow. And the parent saying, I am receiving it and I love it and I appreciate it. And it's a really beautiful and good thing. And this is what Jesus is telling us that spirituality is like. It's not to be done in front of other people for praise. It's no matter how crummy it may be, no matter how bad your prayer may sound, it's the Father just really excited that you picked up the phone to call, right? And that that's the beauty. And, and, and it's uh, it kind of, it's balanced in a really good way. There's a few things I think we can take um, out of this. The one thing is, uh, this passage helps us to remember and know 
that you can go ahead and be as, you don't have to be self-conscious about how you do worship, okay? These are drawings that an illustrator did of David dancing before the Lord. Uh, if you know this story, uh, it's back in the Hebrew Bible. The Ark of the Covenant is coming into Jerusalem. And David strips down, maybe even a little more naked than this, right? And he's just dancing like a naked fool down the streets, right? And one of his wives gets very upset about this. She thinks it's improper. And she says, why are you doing this? Maybe she's uh, annoyed at how disrobed her husband is in public. And basically he goes, it's none of your business. You know, I'm expressing myself to God and it's none of your business how I do it. And for many of us, we get self-conscious, right? Um, Some of us like it when the music sounds really loud in here, when the speakers sound really loud, because then I can sing and nobody next to me will hear, right? But in reality, who cares if the person next to you hears? That's not what it's about, all right? When it comes to prayer, um, if we've, um, I always, uh, you know, we have different roles up front. You'll notice I did a lot up front today. There's some things that are just hard to get people to do. Uh, when we ask for someone to do a communion thought, that's the one that really scares people, right? And some of that's public speaking, but some of it's people are afraid that it won't sound right or it won't be articulate or it won't be good. You know, sometimes people will even come up almost like a kid and say, was that okay afterwards? And I'm like, not your dad. Yeah, sure. It's okay. You know, like I'm not trying to be mean, but like it's so kind of interesting to me that people want sort of the approval because what this passage tells us is it's all for God. So however you want to sing, however you want to pray, do it for God. Don't worry about what other people think. Uh, Some people read this passage and feel like they shouldn't um, be involved in public worship because of this. It's really not what Jesus is getting to, okay? Uh, The Bible talks often about the value of public prayer and public scripture reading and preaching and all those kinds of things. Um, What it says is that if, you know, if you lead a public prayer, no matter how simple it is, that's okay. It's fine. And don't worry about what other people think about it. Um, Second of all, it kind of changes how we think about ourselves. We really like to fit in, right? We really don't want to stick out in any way. And the Bible says, don't worry about how everybody else is thinking about you. Be free to be yourself and to be authentic. That ultimately, there's not some kind of... God does not have a scoring sheet for prayers, where he's like, oh, they hit that element. Oh, totally missed that element. Didn't see any supplication in that prayer, right? Like, this is not how God is handling things. He wants you to be you. And that means that, you know, sometimes the most honest prayers are great. Um, it's okay to just do it the way that you do it and not worry about whether or not somebody else does it that same way. Finally, um, This passage is really about how being fake really isn't necessary. Um, When you pray, when you fast, when you give, do it the way you need to do it to be you, okay? Um, One of the most beautiful prayers in the world is, God, I don't feel like praying tonight and I don't see what the point is, but I still want to have a relationship with you, so I'm doing it anyways. Okay, that is a beautiful prayer. It doesn't have to be like, oh, we thank you so much for your wonderful magnificence, right? Like there is sometimes the prayer you need to pray is like, my situation stinks and I think it's your fault and I'm kind of annoyed with you. 
right? Like that is a godly prayer. And if we need to know that, again, go to David and go to the Psalms. They constantly have these things. How long are you going to wait, God? I have been sitting here for a long time and you're still not here. And again, if you're just doing it to connect with your father, those are things that are okay. They're the feelings that are okay um, to have. In the end, it becomes about honesty and earnestness uh, and sometimes about obedience. There's kind of this interesting thing. um, Sometimes we say, well, because of this, we should never pray unless we feel it. And I would say, well, you're feeling something. Just (laughs) pray, pray what you're feeling, you know. Um, There is, uh, I'm not trying to say that um, pure obedience isn't okay. Sometimes you call your mom and dad because you're supposed to call your mom and dad and you love them enough that you're going to do it even though you don't want to, right? And there is a beauty to that. I'm not saying don't fake it. So if you don't want to call them, then if you, if you don't feel like praying, then go 10 years without praying and that's okay. That's not the idea. The idea is if you don't feel like praying, send up a prayer that goes, hey, I don't feel like praying today, okay? Um, that is the way you keep that communication going. It's the way you continue to connect with God where you are. Um, There is a balance in all of these things. Uh, On the one end, um, it's possible to just uh, just be totally in it for the praise of other people. The other end, there's to be in it and to just kind of make it a, a, a chore. And what scripture says is, what Jesus is telling us here is that when you do these things, do it to connect with your father for his approval. You, it's okay to want someone to notice your prayers. It just matters of who that is. Uh, I don't know if this is a good example, but have you ever been around somebody who is totally smitten by a new boyfriend or girlfriend? And all of a sudden they show up and they're wearing different clothes or they have a different haircut? And you're like... <laughs> and you're like, what is that, dude? You know, like all of a sudden the hair's like swooped to the side or spiked up. And you're like, you look stupid. He's like, she likes it, man. Okay, so shut up, right? You know, like there's this sense that I don't care what you think as long as he or she likes it, I'm happy. And honestly, when that happens, we kind of freak out because there's some concerns there in a relationship. But I think Jesus would say that's the way your spirituality should be. If somebody else thinks that you're kind of being weird for Jesus, it's like, he likes it. That's all I care about. Right? Like that place of being so smitten with your Savior that that his approval is all you need. The Father saying, well done, good and faithful servant. It's the only approval you need to keep going. We get in such dangerous places where we need other people to tell us that we're worth something. But it's also not true that we can walk around like, I need no approval at all. I'm an atropatron that can go on with no, you know, no feedback. You do need feedback and you do need approval. You need your father to tell you that he loves you and that he appreciates what you've done. And when you serve him, whatever you do in secret will go noticed. He will not miss it because he's a good father that always sees what's going to happen next. It's at this point in the sermon that I realized I don't have a question and answer slide because Preston's not here. Which happens every time. Uh, do you guys have any questions? We do at the end of our, if you're new to our church here, uh, we always do a Q&A at the end of our sermons because I want a chance for you to talk back at me and ask any questions you might have. Uh, do you have any questions about the passage today or our application or anything that we've talked about? Um, 
Go ahead and ask those questions now. Yeah. Yeah, I agree that often um, when we do things for others, we get this good feeling that we've done something for others. Um, I would nuance kind of on the theological side. I don't know if that's internal, though. I think that's the spirit of God giving us a feeling of satisfaction. You you are getting a reward, but again, it's a reward from your father, right? Um, That... At some point, there will be something that won't feel good to do, and you'll be like, ugh, and you'll do it, and you still feel this sense of like, oh, okay, I was supposed to do that. And I think that's God providing that reward, right? It's, it's still, it's still, because um, the other danger here is to become self-absorbed, right? I do whatever feels good for me, and I help people because I like the little rush that I get from doing it. And I think ultimately what Jesus is orienting us here is, you do all of these things for the pleasure of your father, and then he will give you the reward you need um, in that. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that if we don't have stillness and quiet, that sometimes God's trying to say, like, well done, and we can't hear it. Right? Or go do it when you can't hear it. Exactly. So, I mean, just to make it really personal for me, like... Um, you know, like church for me is a minefield of all these other things that I'm thinking about, right? And so there may be a week where I've been talking to somebody about visiting church. They're like, I'm definitely coming this week. And then they don't come, right? And the whole service, I'm sitting here like, oh, they didn't come. They didn't come. That stinks. Oh, I'm so grumpy. Like, it's just playing in my brain, right? And I think there are some of those Sundays where God goes, that was a good sermon today. Like, did you see how the person who was here was blessed by that? And I do not see it because I'm not quiet enough to hear it. Does that make sense? So I, I, think, there, I think there's something in that. I think God sometimes is trying to say, good job. And we can't hear it because our own brain is going, bad job, bad job, bad job. <laughs> you know? And uh, I think that's, that's difficult for us. Yeah, one of, the, one of the ways Jesus says it is it's better to give than to receive. Which is fascinating because um, that is one of the sayings of Jesus that's never in the Gospels. It's twice in the New Testament and attributed to Jesus, but one's in Paul and I think one's in Acts. Uh, The Gospels never told us, but apparently he said it enough that both Luke and Paul picked it up and shared it somewhere else other than the Gospels. So it's apparently something he said somewhat frequently.